بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيد الأولين والآخرين وعلى جميع إخوانه من النبيين والمرسلين وآل كل وصحب كل ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين All praise is due to Allah and may Allah raise the rank of Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him and protect his nation from that which he fears for them. We ask Allah to increase our knowledge and benefit us with the knowledge we have acquired. Ameen. We started in our previous lesson talking about the obligations of the heart. We also mentioned that the heart is the commander of all body parts. If it is healthy, the whole body will be healthy. Otherwise, if it is corrupted, the whole body will be corrupted. As the Prophet ﷺ said, from here we know that we have to give great attention to the heart to monitor it closely and to make sure that it is healthy religious wise all the times these days if a person would have a problem in his heart they might give him some medicine and they tell him you need to measure your blood pressure every day you need to take that medicine to thin the blood and so on so for the rest of his life he'll be taking medicine and monitoring his heart closely because he knows if the heart stops functioning that will affect his whole body will have a heart attack will take him to hospital and he might not make it he might die before reaching the hospital. Religiously, the heart is very important. The Prophet ﷺ told us that as long as it is healthy, religious-wise, that will reflect on the body parts. You will act upon what is inside your heart. That's why if a person were to say awful words and he would make terrible actions that would mean that his heart is corrupted he cannot have a pure and clean heart when at the same time he's doing all these evil acts by his organs because his body parts will reflect what is inside his heart that's why the heart is very important we talked about the obligations of the heart which you need to make sure you have them in your heart. Now in our lesson today we'll talk about the sins of the heart that you make sure you don't have any in your heart. Any of these ones we're going to mention. Keep your heart clean, not infected with any of these diseases of the heart. These are diseases for the heart. So make sure you don't have any of them in your heart. 
The first one from the sins of the heart is insincerity. We mentioned before that amongst the obligations of the heart is to have sincerity in your heart when performing the acts of worship. And that means upon doing any act of worship, you need to have the intention in your heart you are doing it for the sake of Allah, not to be praised by people. So it has to be 100% pure for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Insincerity is amongst the sins of the heart. And it means to perform the good deeds not for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Rather you do them in order to be praised by people. This is a major sin. Not only that, it nullifies the reward of the good act. So if one were to have insincerity in his heart when praying, let us say, he came to the mosque in Ramadan to pray taraweeh prayer, 20 rak'ahs, and with a prayer afterwards, and so on. If he came in order to be praised by people, he did that every night of Ramadan. Imagine every night is coming to the mosque, praying Aisha in congregation, praying optional prayers, praying taraweeh, 20 rak'ahs, and witr, and he's staying for more than one hour, praying in the mosque. He's doing this every night, every night, not for the sake of Allah, rather he's doing this so people can say about him, MashaAllah, this person is very righteous, he comes to the mosque every night, he prays, he wants to be praised by people. This is called insincerity. That's a major sin. Not only it is a major sin, it nullifies the reward of the good deed. Meaning, if one were to pray 20 rak'ahs of taraweeh in Ramadan, but his intention when performing these 20 rak'ahs is to be praised by people. So even if he were to spend one hour praying, he won't get one single unit of reward, not even single hasana. He doesn't get anything, any reward, but he falls into a major sin. So look for instance, a person may be intending to perform an optional rewardable deed, optional rewardable deed, it's not an obligation, it is recommended. He can leave it out, he's not sinful. But if he chooses to do it, to be praised by people, it is optional. But he chose to do it to be praised by people, he will fall into a major sin. That's called insincerity in performing the acts of worship. And he wouldn't get one single reward. That's why before you do any good act of worship, remember to do it for the sake of Allah, not to be praised by people. When you pray, you're praying for Allah. When you recite Quran, you do that for Allah. When you learn Arabic, you put the intention to do that for the sake of Allah. When you learn Quran, when you learn religion, when you help your mother, when you help your father, put the intention you do that for the sake of Allah and you'll be rewarded. Even sometimes we might do many good deeds 
But we forget to have the intention in our hearts to do them for the sake of Allah. If we don't put the intention to do them for the sake of Allah, we won't be rewarded. That's why the intention will differentiate between a habit and an act of worship. You might have a habit of doing something that is recommended by our religion. So if you do it and you put the intention you want to do it for the sake of Allah, you'll be rewarded. You'll be rewarded. But if you don't put the intention to put it for the sake of Allah, it will be classified as a habit and you won't be rewarded for it. We gave an example wearing white. The Prophet ﷺ used to wear white in many occasions. So if you were to wear white and you put the intention you are imitating the Prophet, that's why you wear white, you are imitating the Prophet. So you want to follow the footsteps of the Prophet, you're doing it for that reason, you'll be rewarded. But if, let us say, you were white because it's a hot country and you wanted to reflect the heat of the sun, so not to do it as following the footsteps of the Prophet, you won't be rewarded. You won't be rewarded in that case. Let us say you have a habit when you wake up every morning to have a shower, for instance. But on Friday, it is highly recommended before coming to Friday prayer to have shower. If you do it as fulfilling this optional rewardable deed, you'll be rewarded. But if you wake up on Friday morning and you have shower because you have this habit to do it every day, you won't be rewarded. That's why the intention is very important. That's why I urge you to remember this. Maybe sometimes you might put a sticker in your house do not forget the intention for the sake of Allah. So even when you are cooking for your husband, for your children, when you are raising your children, put the intention to do this for the sake of Allah. You will be rewarded. Otherwise, it will be classified as a normal habit you do. That's why the intention is very important. That's number one. Number two, priding oneself for obeying Allah. They call it in Arabic ujub, to be conceited with your deeds that you are doing. It is deeming one's worship and the good deeds as were by one's own ability, while forgetting at the same time the grace of Allah upon this person. That had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not willed for this person to be able to achieve such a thing, he wouldn't have been able to do it. So you remember the grace of Allah upon you for enabling you to do such a thing. So when you, for instance, pray, you pray taraweeh 20 rak'ahs. So when you pray taraweeh 20 rak'ahs in Ramadan, and you are happy that Allah enabled you, enabled you to perform them, had Allah did not will for you to pray these prayers, you won't be able to pray them. Allah gave you the strength, gave you the ability. So Allah is gracious. Allah bestowed upon you this great endowment that he made you able 
to do it. So here you should not forget the grace of Allah upon you. That Allah gave you the strength to do this good act. If you show pride with yourself in doing this act of worship, as if it's coming from your own self, forgetting the grace of Allah upon you, as some people may say, I have performed Hajj 10 times, I have made Umrah 20 times, I have prayed Taraweeh prayer from the beginning of Ramadan, I have done, I have done, seeing that coming from his own self. Forgetting that Allah is the one who gave him the ability to do it. Forgetting the grace of Allah upon him. It's like a person may say he's not appreciating. So he's not showing in a way his thankfulness to Allah Azza wa Jal for enabling him to do this act of worship. Look, subhanAllah, if Allah gives you an endowment, that's something from Allah, an endowment. So that's from Allah's grace upon you. If you were to thank Allah Azza wa Jal by saying by your tongue, Alhamdulillah, for giving me this. When you say Alhamdulillah, who gave you the power to say Alhamdulillah by your tongue? Allah. So even when thanking Allah, there is the grace of Allah upon you. When you thank Allah for the endowment that Allah bestowed upon you. So one should not forget the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon him at any time. So when you perform the good deeds, you need to remember that Alhamdulillah for enabling me to do it. Now Alhamdulillah, some came from far distances to attend the lesson tonight. It's not because you're a hero that you made it tonight. It's because Allah Azza wa Jal enabled you to be here. Had Allah not willed for you to be here tonight, you wouldn't have been able to come. Anything might have come up that would distract you from coming to the mosque and attending the lesson. When you find yourself in a mosque attending a lesson, think about the grace of Allah upon you. The one who gave you the power. The one who gave you the strength to perform this act of worship. So do not be conceited with yourself. Do not show pride with your actions as if they are coming from your own. Forgetting the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon you. Like sometimes you find a person and this happens in our daily life. A person may go to another person and say, look, I need your support, I need your help. Then this person between him and himself would say, oh, this person doesn't come to me unless he has a need. See how they think? They think in the wrong way. Had they thought in the right way, he would say, Alhamdulillah for enabling me to be able to help others. Because this is an endowment from Allah. So if you have money, excess of your basic needs, and someone approaches you for a help, and you help him, the money, the money 
is given to you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the grace of Allah upon you. Had Allah not willed for you to have this money, you wouldn't have had them. They would have been in that person's hands. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed for you to have this amount of money, that is a grace from Allah azza wa jal, from his endowment, then that person approaches you for a help and you are giving him from the money that Allah gave you with a good intention, you will be rewarded. The money is for Allah. You belong to Allah. The money belongs to Allah. This whole universe belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You own nothing. The true owner of the world is Allah. Not you. I might have a car, but this car, we say this is my car, I own it. But the true owner is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah is the creator of everything. So that's why I always think about the grace of Allah upon you. Say Alhamdulillah. If you were to compare what Allah had given you with what others were deprived from, you appreciate the endowments more and more. But some people, they got used to look up and they break their necks. When they keep looking up, 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 they break their necks. If you were to appreciate the endowments of Allah upon you, look down. Look at others who are less advantaged in this life. You appreciate the endowment of Allah upon you. How many are not satisfied or content with their life? Why? They keep comparing with those who were given more of the worldly pleasures. But trust me, if they were given money, they might be deprived of something else that you have and they don't have. Think about all these things. Say, Alhamdulillah. Even when you get sick and you are given patience from Allah Azza wa Jal with your sickness, you say, Alhamdulillah, I'm sick, Alhamdulillah. You look at what Allah gave you. Allah gave you patience on calamities, patience on sickness. When you do it for the sake of Allah, you will be rewarded. So Allah opened for you a gate for reward that is not opened for others. So even in the sickness, in the calamity, that's why the Prophet said in the hadith, meaning how astonishing the situation of the believer is. His situation is all good. In if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to give him from his bounties and he thanks Allah for these endowments, that's good for him. If he were to be inflicted with a calamity and he remains patient, then he gets rewards for it as well. And the Prophet said, and this is for no one except for the believer. 
So in both cases, he's winning. If he were to be given an endowment and he thanks Allah for it, he will be rewarded. So he's winning. If he were to be deprived and were to be inflicted with a calamity and he remains patient, he will be rewarded. In both cases, he's rewarded. And that's only for the believers. Also amongst the sins of the heart that is classified as apostasy, blasphemy, is to doubt about the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or to doubt about any of the 13 attributes of Allah azza wa jal that we explained before in the chapter of Aqeedah the existence of Allah, His eternity, His everlastingness, His oneness, non-neediness of others non-resemblance to the creations, power, will, knowledge, sight, hearing. These attributes, every accountable person must know about. Must know about these attributes, the 13 attributes of Allah. So one needs to learn about them. He needs to learn about the existence of Allah Azza wa Jal. That Allah exists and that His existence is in no way like the existence of the creations. Allah exists without a beginning, without an end, without a place, without being in a direction. Oneness, it means Allah is one without a partner. Eternity, it means Allah's existence is without a beginning. Everlastingness, it means Allah's existence does not end. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator. Hearing and sight. Meaning Allah sees everything without being in need of pupil or any other organ. Hearing Allah hears all the hearable things without being in need to an ear or any other organ. Al-Kalam. Meaning Allah is attributed with Al-Kalam. And Allah's kalam is not like the speech of the creations. Our speech is made up of language, letters, sounds, and the like. But Allah's kalam is not like the speech of the creations. Allah's kalam is not a language, is not a letter, is not a sound. It doesn't start and end. Life, meaning Allah is attributed with an eternal and everlasting life that does not change. It's not made up of body and soul as our lives. Power, meaning Allah has power over everything. Will, whatever Allah willed shall happen. Whatever Allah did not will shall never happen. Knowledge, Allah knows about everything. Knows about what happened, what's happening, and what's going to happen in the future. Non-neediness of others. Allah doesn't need the creations. Non-resemblance to the creations. Meaning Allah does not resemble any of the creations. Also amongst the sins of the heart is to feel safe from the punishment of Allah Azza wa Jal. 
And another sin is to despair of Allah's mercy. We should be in between. Not feeling safe from the punishment of Allah Azza wa Jal. That means we continue indulging in sinning, relying on the mercy of Allah Azza wa Jal. As some ignorant people might say, when they are committing sins, let us say they don't pray. And someone might advise them, pray. Missing out the prayer without an excuse is a major sin. You are putting yourself in a great danger to be tortured in hellfire severely. Repent to Allah Azza wa Jal. He might say, Allah will not punish me. Allah is merciful. How could you have this belief from your own, in your heart, that Allah will definitely not punish you? You cannot be determined that Allah will never punish you. Even if you are a believer, some believers who are sinners, who die as sinners, will be tortured in hellfire. How could you know that you will be exempted? So you cannot have a full belief in your heart, determination, that Allah will not punish you. And you keep indulging in sinning, saying Allah will not punish me. It's haram to have this belief in your heart, determination in your heart, to have certainty in your heart that Allah will never punish you because you don't know. See, if there is a person who used to commit major sins, then he died without repentance, but he is a believer. He used to be a believer, but he used to drink alcohol, he used to gamble. He never used to pray. And he died. But he's a believer. He believes in Allah and the Messenger of Allah. When he dies, no one from the human beings can say, yeah, this person will definitely be punished. He cannot say as well, this person will definitely be forgiven. You cannot say either. You cannot say either he is going to be tortured, and you cannot say he is going to be forgiven. We don't know. Allah said, وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ Was it revealed to you that this person will not be punished? No. Was it revealed to you that this person will not be forgiven by Allah? No. So you cannot say about him, he will definitely be punished. As you cannot say, he will definitely be forgiven. So a person cannot feel safe from the punishment of Allah by indulging in sinning, relying on the mercy of Allah, saying, Allah will forgive me. Allah will not punish me. He cannot have this. But if he says, I hope Allah doesn't punish me for what I'm doing, he's hoping. He doesn't have that full belief in his heart, full determination that Allah will definitely punish him or forgive him. He cannot have in his heart determination that Allah will definitely forgive him and keeps on doing the sins. At the same time, one should not despair of Allah's mercy. Meaning, to hold the conviction in his heart that Allah will definitely punish him. How would he know that Allah will definitely punish him?
A person might be doing a sin and another person says to him, repent to Allah Azza wa Jal. He might say, I know Allah will punish me. Allah will definitely punish me. How do you know? You cannot have that determination in your heart as well that Allah will definitely punish you for what you're doing. So why you should be as a believer in between? Between feeling safe from the punishment of Allah and despairing of Allah's mercy. As Imam Ali radiallahu anhu said, if I obey Allah, I hope for his rewards. If I disobey Allah, I fear his punishment. You should be in between. So always we have, like a bird, two wings. You have one called hope and one called fear. This is how you cross this pathway in this life. Always between these two wings. The wing of fear and the wing of hope. You always have that fear. You might be tortured. But at the same time, you have hope. With Allah's mercy, you are in between. As the bird flies with two wings, you as a believer should walk this path in this life with these two wings. The wing of fear and the wing of hope. Amongst the sins of the heart, is having arrogance, arrogance, kibr, towards the slaves of Allah. And it is defined by one of two things. First, to reject the truth said by someone. The second is to look down on others. This is called arrogance and this is called arrogance. The first one is to reject the truth that is said by someone else simply because this person is younger than you or he has less money than you or he is lower than you in social ranks. You look down at him, he's telling you the truth, he's advising you but you don't want to take from him. So you reject it just because you look at this person as being less fortunate in worldly matters or in a social rank or other worldly matters. Or he's younger maybe. You should accept even if someone were to be a child and he approaches you and you were doing something wrong and he advises you, accept from him. Say, may Allah bless you. Say, may Allah bless you, you advise me. Do not reject the truth because he is younger. Now these days, you find many people who show this kind of arrogance. Even a person would not accept from his wife because he doesn't look at his wife as might be more understanding to certain subjects more than him. He doesn't accept it. She might be right in certain things. She might tell you, don't do this, this is wrong. Now, you might know, yeah, this is wrong. 
But because she told you that, no, I'm going to do it. This is called arrogance. So even if she's your wife and you are the husband, it doesn't mean you are flawless, you don't make mistakes. No, you might make mistakes. You know Umar ibn al-Khattab, the second caliph. No one in this nation can work with acts of obedience what he can reach his status or even half of them. That's Umar ibn al-Khattab. His rank is very, very high. He's after Abu Bakr in this nation. Umar was very famous. He was once on the pulpit delivering the speech. People were attending and some women were attending as well. So he said to them something. As he was going down, a lady stood up from the attendees and said to him, you don't have the right to say this, O Umar. How hard is it for one of us to hear from someone telling him this in front of everyone? He is the leader, the caliph of Muslims. She said, you don't have the right to say this, O Umar. He said, why? She told him, she gave him a verse from the Quran. What he said was not right. That lady gave him the proof from the Quran that what he said was wrong. Umar did not show arrogance. He did not say, you are a lady coming to advise me. I'm the caliph, I'm the ruler, I'm the leader. Never. He went back up. And he said to the people, that woman is right and Umar is mistaken. That woman is right and Umar is mistaken. This is how we learn from these people. So a person may be mistaken. Someone might give you the right thing, the truth, and he's younger than you. Accept it from him. Do not show arrogance. Say, may Allah bless you, advise me. So that's one kind of arrogance, to reject the truth of someone because he is younger than you or has less money or less in social rank and the like. The second type is to look down on others because they are not up to your social status, they don't have money as you have. Instead of thanking Allah Azza wa Jal, they look down on others. If they see, let us say, a poor person, uh, they look at this person, oh, he's miserable. They look down on him. They even do not look straight at him. They turn their cheeks towards him out of arrogance. That's called arrogance and it's from the sins of the heart. Just think about one thing at that moment. Allah gave you that wealth and Allah did not give that person your wealth. Had Allah willed, it would have been the other way around. So instead of pondering about the endowments of Allah upon you, you look at it from a different angle. 
the non-believers at the time of the Prophet وسلم, when he started reciting the Quran and from the verses of the Quran he mentioned to them that the rich need to help the poor and the like some of the non-believers said why should we give them and Allah is the one who deprived them had Allah willed for them to get money, he would have given them money. Allah deprived them, so we don't want to give them. Allah tests people with whatever subhanahu wa ta'ala willed. Look, Allah did not make all people in the same standard. Like all of them has the same amount of money, the same health and so on. Allah made them different. So, the one who is more fortunate can thank Allah and the one who is less fortunate can have patience and can be content. Being content in this life is a very important factor for you not to have depression or anxiety, trust me. Many people who suffer from anxiety and depression is because they are not content. They always think about the worldly matters in a negative way. What would give people depression these days? And anxiety. They lose their money. If they say, Alhamdulillah, Allah is testing me, I thank Allah, you won't be depressed. Then get up, make wudu and pray. If you are sick in your body, say, Alhamdulillah, Still I can praise Allah Azza wa Allah is testing me and Allah is giving me patience. You'll be rewarded. So when you think about being content in this life, yeah, you won't be depressed or anxious. Why? What to be worried about? The worldly matters? The enjoyment of this life? It can perish at any time. You might spend your life gathering money, doing something, then in one day, you lose everything. That's why be ready. Be ready to accept whatever could happen to you. And say, Alhamdulillah. If your religion is safe, don't worry about anything else. As long as your religion is safe, don't worry about anything else. Now, Alhamdulillah, you are in the mosque. You prayed. This is a great endowment. Think about those who are lost. They are in clubs and pubs and they are drinking alcohol, gambling. They are inflicted with all these sins. So even if you have less money, but look, Allah Azza wa protected you from all these matters. Allah Azza wa helped you perform the acts of worship. That's a great endowment from Allah upon you. Say Alhamdulillah. When I talk, these words come out of my mouth by the power of Allah Azza wa Had Allah not enabled me to say these words, I wouldn't have been able to say them. And if I say them with a good intention to teach people, I'll be rewarded. It's all the grace of Allah upon us. We should be content in this life, we relax then we won't have, trust me, because we're going to talk now about envy, 
hatred. Where do these sins come from? Not being content. You always want to get everything. Be content with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith, if the son of Adam were to be given a mountain of gold, he will ask about the other mountain. A mountain of gold, what about that one? Yeah, but you have one mountain of gold. And you're asking about the other one. So if you have something that is making you survive, say Alhamdulillah. Say Alhamdulillah, be content. So that takes us to another sin of the heart, which is having enmity in the heart. That's the hatred towards another Muslim. If one were to act in accordance with this hatred in his heart and does not hate it, that means you might feel in your heart a kind of hatred towards another Muslim. If you start feeling this, try to cleanse your heart from it. If you are trying to cleanse your heart from it, you are not sinful. If you act in accordance with it, such as to have a full determination in your heart that when you see that Muslim, you're going to use harmful words against him or you want to harm him physically or verbally. Having this intention, full determination that you will harm him physically or verbally when you see him, you're going to abuse him physically or verbally when you see him. That means you are acting upon this feeling in your heart towards that Muslim and that is haram. But if, let us say, for instance, you don't feel comfortable with a person, you don't have to be with him, have dinner every night together. No, you can stay away from him. If he's a, like, because he's a Muslim, when you see him, you say, Assalamu alaikum. Yeah, you don't have to hang around with him. But you cannot have hatred in your heart and act upon this hatred and put the intention to harm him, inflict harm on him physically or verbally whenever you have a chance. That is haram. That is haram in this case. Also, envy, al-hasad, which is to dislike or feel bitter about the endowment on a Muslim, and also to act in accordance with this feeling in your heart. Such as, to act verbally or physically, you make an action to make such a person lose this endowment. 
Let us say two friends are working for a company. Then one day, the boss of the company chose one of them to be the director of the company. Now the other person envied him. Instead of showing him that, Alhamdulillah, may Allah bless you, may Allah give you strength to fulfill this task, he envied him. He might feel bitter for this endowment for that Muslim. Up to here, yeah, he might have a feeling in his heart, yeah, I wish they chose me. Up to here, that's not forbidden. You're wishing you were given this opportunity. Up to here, it's not forbidden. But to take a step forward, say something or do an action as an interpretation of this envy in your heart, such as to go to the boss and say to him, why did you choose this person? He doesn't know how to do his job properly. This person is not worthy of being in this position. I don't advise you. So he's trying to make him lose this endowment that is forbidden in that case. So even to have the intention to do all these things as well, that is forbidden. So you cannot act or say something to make him lose that endowment or put the intention that whenever you have that opportunity, you will do this. That is forbidden as well. Also amongst the sins of the heart to remind a person of the charity given to one with the purpose of breaking one's heart. Such as to say to him, didn't I give you so and so on such and such a day? So why are you saying this to break his heart? If you're saying it to break his heart, you are sinful and you lose the reward of this deed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, لا تبطلوا صدقاتكم بالمن والأذى Do not nullify the rewards of your charity you give by reminding the person with that charity to break his hand. So when one does such and such to break his heart, this nullifies the reward of the charity. Not only nullifies the reward of the charity, he is sinful. He's falling to the sin, as Allah mentioned in the Quran. In some cases, you may remind someone with some of the good deeds you have done for them, the favors you've done for them, not to break their hearts, but rather maybe to stop them from committing injustice against you. Let us say you have your cousin, you helped him a lot when he first came to this country, you supported him financially, you went with him, you used your car and the like, so you stood by his side until he became content and he was able to be dependent and the like. Then after a while, he started mistreating you for no reason committing injustice against you for no reason. You might approach him and say to him, 
Why are you doing so and so on? Didn't I help you when you first came to this country? I stood by your side. I helped you. Why are you doing that to me? He is not saying it to break his heart. Rather, to make him stop from committing that injustice against him. That is not forbidden in this case. Also amongst the sins of the heart is to persist on sinning. And here, what is meant by it, of course, when you commit the sin, that's a sin you are committing. What do they mean by persisting on sinning? Meaning for one, to have in his heart, that's why it is linked to one's heart, to have in his heart that I will continue committing these sins. So as he is indulging in these sins, the total of these sins become more than his rewards. Then he falls into this kind of sin that is called persisting on sinning. Not simply committing a minor sin day after day. A person may commit a minor sin today once, but after that he prays in the mosque and he fulfills the obligations and the like. Not because he is committing this minor sin every day, we say to him, it will turn into a major sin on its own. No. If by indulging in sinning, he reaches a stage where his sins weigh more than his good deeds, he falls into that sin called persisting on sinning. Then that is an enormous sin. So not simply if he were to commit a minor sin frequently, that minor sin turns into an enormous sin like that, no. If the sum of his sins will be more than the sum of his good deeds, then that will turn him into falling into that major sin in that case. Also, to believe that Allah shall not grant forgiveness to oneself, and we explained this when we talked about the spurring of Allah's mercy. Because the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in the hadith that whoever repents of a sin, it will be forgiven if he fulfills all the conditions of repentance as if he did not commit it in the first place. Thinking ill of Muslims without relying on a valid indication. Let us say, for instance, someone was in an office. He had $100 on the desk. Then 20 people came in. Then they came out. Then he couldn't find the hundred dollars, for instance. He cannot think of a particular person that he's the one who took that hundred. How could he know? He doesn't have any valid indication in that case. It's haram. If only one person came in and he came in, then he left and he couldn't see the hundred. He, if he were to think in his heart, that he assumes that that person is the one who took the money, that's classified as a valid indication.
But some people, if too many people came in, then they left and he missed something, usually he chooses the one that he doesn't like. And he says, yeah, that's the one who took the money. Yeah, not necessarily. Why did you pick him out of all of them? Yeah, because I know he doesn't like me. Yeah, but not necessarily he took the money. Could be someone that you never expect. So you cannot have in your heart the conviction without relying on a valid indication that this person in particular is the one who took the money. You can't do that. Also, amongst the sins of the heart which is classified as blasphemous is to deny the destining, al-qadr. You know, everything that happens in this world happens by the will of Allah. That's called the taqdeer of Allah, the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also to feel happy about a sin done either by yourself or someone else, others. You should not feel happy, delighted with the sin you committed. You should be very sorry, upset, sad. You should show remorse, regret that you have done that sin. If you show happiness with the sin committed by you, that's another sin. Also to betray someone, such as promising one safety, to say to someone, you are safe, I will not harm you, then you betray him and kill him when you have an opportunity. That's haram because you gave him safety, you granted him safety. To harm a Muslim deceptively, that's as well forbidden. To hate the companions, it is blasphemy to swear at all the companions. If one were to swear at one of them, it's not blasphemous. But if one were to swear at all of them, blasphemes. Because our religion was transmitted to us through the companions. So if one were to swear at all companions, commits blasphemy. If he were to swear about one of the righteous companions, that's a major sin. And we gave you an example last week. Also to hate the heir of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his Muslim relatives, including his wives. To hate them, that is forbidden from the sins of the heart. To hate the righteous Muslims, because they are highly accepted by Allah azza wa jal. To abstain from paying some of what Allah made obligatory, such as not to pay the obligatory zakah. Also, to go beyond this, meaning not to pay zakah, not to support your wife and children with the obligatory sustenance. So that even worse. To have even a worse case than the first two, such as to have the desire to be rich and gathering money, not caring whether one collects the money from halal or haram, and he intends at the same time to spend them in disobedience, to show off on others and the like. That is the worst. Also, not to have the proper glorification 
to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made glorified, the proper glorification. So see the Mus'haf, for instance, the Qur'an, the Mus'haf. You need to glorify it. Proper glorification. Now, if one were to throw it in the bin, that's blasphemous. But someone did not throw it in the bin, but he carried it without wudu. This, he is lacking the proper glorification in that case. Or let us say he has a book of religion and he leaned on him as a pillow, for instance. He can't do that. That is lack of proper glorification. If his intention is to belittle this book of religion, that's blasphemous. But if he did not mean to belittle it, it's called lack of proper glorification. Some people, subhanAllah, these days, they might have a book of religion, you see, they put the keys on them, they put pens and the like on the religious book. And to belittle what Allah rendered great, such as the acts of obedience, such as prayer, for instance, if one were to neglect the prayer, and on top of that, he might say, I don't want to pray, and the prayer doesn't benefit me, he is belittling the prayer to the extent of falling into blasphemy. And if he were to be told pray, he might say, prayer doesn't feed me, doesn't buy me food and drink. So he is belittling the prayer. And others might belittle the severity of sinning. A person may commit a sin and they tell him it's haram, don't do this. He must say, yeah, it's all right, there's no problem. Like he's in the shopping center or a lady in the shopping center with her friend and she finds out that they won't have enough time to pray. She might tell her, let us go and pray. We're going to miss out the prayer. She might say to her, it's all right, don't worry about it. So to say it's all right, don't worry about it. Uh, it's okay to miss out the prayer, that is belying the rules of the religion. To belittle Al-Qur'an, that is blasphemous. To belittle the Islamic knowledge, to belittle paradise, and to belittle the torture of hellfire. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase our knowledge and to benefit us with the knowledge we have acquired. Ameen. And Allah knows best. We say, La ilaha illallah.